Hello and welcome to Questonia, uh, the podcast about Estonian news and culture. Uh, I'm Sasha Garlick, new name, same awkward presence behind the microphone, and this is as ever Marius Hellrand, um, who I think has had a very packed summer because of literally everything happening at once, Marius, haven't you? <laughs> yes, but it's been a brilliant summer, actually. A lot of work, uh, but all all really uh, fascinating projects and a lot of time spent on Hioma. Uh, yeah, I uh, I al- almost feel guilty about how good this summer has been. Right. Well, um, th- that's that's really good news because uh, apparently it's going to be the worst autumn and winter that we've ever, uh, that, or c- certainly that we've experienced uh, since since the bad old days of the nineties. People are saying. So um, yeah, let's let's take a look at that. Uh, so this is just a brief catch up episode because we've been away for the summer, and uh, we're, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the um, relatively new governing coalition and the problems that they're facing, and also uh, the removal of historic um, Soviet war monuments uh, from uh, Narva, the border city, which uh, which which I know that I know that you've been to a lot. Um, so let's begin with the coalition. Uh, so the coalition was disbanded, and in the last episode we spoke about the um, reasons for disbanding that coalition, and also uh, the prospects for for a new coalition. At that time, it kind of looked like we'd end up with an ECRA centre Isamar coalition, potentially even with Martin Helmer as prime minister. That that didn't come to pass. And what we've got now is a reform Isamar social democrat coalition with Kaya Kalas still as prime minister. Um, thus far, and I know it's been, only been a month and a half into it, uh, do, you, do you feel that they've been able to make progress or has it really been treading water in the present situation? Uh, well, uh, the outcome uh, over the summer was certainly better than uh, the pe- the pessimistic outlook everyone had uh, uh, in in the springtime when when the previous coalition was uh, um, cracking and every- and uh, we pretty much expected the old uh, um, the old uh, coalition with Ekra to uh, come back. So. Uh, this is a this is a positive outcome in that sense anyway. But uh, yes, the, the beginning has been the start has been slow, and uh, uh, I guess uh, I mean we need to uh, bear in mind that this is a government uh, for only uh, uh, just uh, just over half a year because the elections are coming up in March already. So the amount of uh, changes or reforms that they could uh, possibly do is limited by the legislative uh, procedures. Uh, and uh, the, the workload, in a way, is in front of them by, by default or by the, by the course of history almost. Uh, the high energy prices, the... Um, the still ongoing war in Ukraine and the security crisis and uh, the massive inflation that is not um, this government's doing. So they have to uh, uh, deal with these things and uh, that's that's an enormous um, task. While actually I think the Estonian people 
expect uh, also some long-term visionary uh, steps, which uh, we probably won't see. Well, yes, uh, in in the coalition agreement, the three uh, things which they decided to focus on uh, after uh, much tiresome deliberation were security, Estonian language education and uh, the people's economic well-being. Uh, I, I think the people that I've been speaking to and hearing from on Twitter would argue that economic well-being appears to be somewhere further down the list right now. But uh, as you said, inflation is not the Estonian government's fault, but... Uh, it's kind of alarming that Estonia has, uh, well, so at, at one point during the COVID crisis, Estonia had the highest COVID rates in Europe, and uh, now it has the highest inflation in Europe, uh, 23 to 25%, depending on the uh, economic indicator you trust, compared to around 6 to 9% in places like France. Um, is that entirely due to the stopping of Russian imports, uh, or is, is there, for example, some, some profiteering going on around the outside? and potentially some people making a profit from the high, the high inflation that uh, is causing it to rise higher than, for example, Latvia and Lithuania? Well, it is not considerably higher than Latvia and Lithuania. And all three have been um, sort of um, in, in the same range and um, in the same step. All three have had this um, beyond 20% since... Uh, the beginning of the summer actually or late spring so all the the last three months um this applies for all three baltics and um it's uh it's really um difficult to pinpoint i mean a big deal of it uh, is comes from the energy prices and all the baltics are part of the north pole energy stock market which is uh the weirdest thing and it's it's really been something that people people just can't understand how this works because normally in a stock market the price comes as a result of uh, um, demand and uh, supply and, but here the demand side somehow is not there if i put in a uh a bid um, to buy shares uh, I normally put the high the upper limit right mm. and here uh, this is om omitted in this uh, in the system so this is what drives the prices to these uh, crazy levels like we had in on 17th of August when the uh, price for one hour was 4,000 euros but, uh, hour so uh, the the high energy prices and the fluctuation make up a very very big part of this inflation that somehow uh, is hitting the Baltics and all three Baltic countries are producing way less energy than they use constantly over the whole summer so uh, and energy price of course translates into all sorts of other prices which are um, then heating the inflation uh, themselves as well and the, the baltics the all three baltics still being sort of in terms of income below the eu average which means that the basic needs make up a bigger 
share of pe- or, or a bigger proportion of people's um, uh, costs, and that's why that's why they weigh more than um, say in Germany. So um, there are many things that come together. I've been looking at um, at uh, the Baltics in comparison, and really the only thing that sort of macroeconomically seems different between Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania is that Estonia uh, had this uh, uh, pension reform last year. So one year ago, about 1 billion euros were pumped into the Estonian um, market uh, that people were spending. And uh, at that time, the the argument for the reform from Isamar was that people would be wiser investing their money uh, than uh, the pension funds are. Uh, Well, now the result is that uh, most of this money is just still sitting on bank accounts. And some of it has been spent for new TV, new car, house repairs, holidays, and so on. So basically just went into consumer spending. But that's that makes um, that sort of has created a situation where people actually have cash, you know, which means that prices have uh, have a leeway to rise because people are able to pay. And also, so that's that's the only difference between Estonia and Latvia, and perhaps this explains this couple of uh, percentage points. Um, difference uh, why Estonia has it he- even higher than Latvia and Lithuania. The, the pension... I don't know. I mean, is is do you feel do you feel that this uh, inflation is is affecting your daily life? Well, uh, it's it's a good question, which which I'll definitely answer. But the the pension form reform is an interesting one. I mean, um, obviously, uh, having had a string of jobs, including working for myself, my my uh, my my pension situation is different to someone who's worked in the same job for a long time, uh, particularly you know someone, for example, working as a doctor or a teacher. But um, in in terms of the pension reform, what's what's interesting to me is that y- yes, um, you kind of knew that human nature would dictate that as soon as people got um, all of that money in their account, they would they would want to uh, spend it rather than invest it because that's just what people do across the world. But the interesting thing is that there was kind of method in the madness of the previous government in pushing that through because what they really wanted was an economic bounce to talk about uh, post covid and they 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 wanted people they wanted people back in the shops without fear didn't they so that there was probably an element of justification in doing that from the point of view of the previous government and you know just general political sense i suppose would you agree Yes, definitely. I mean, that's that's that goes in the same step, like um, printing money all over the world uh, to relieve the COVID uh, um, situation, and of course, the relief um, that this uh, new money, new additional money um, in circulation is uh, that is driving the inflation worldwide. But that doesn't explain the the much much higher numbers here in Estonia uh, or in the Baltic states because money was um, 
it's euro. So uh, the eurozone, uh, the whole eurozone printed money, and um, still we have uh, a triple inflation or more compared to uh, to the average or some other countries. So it's um, it's uh, very very complicated. But I've been researching the the topic for uh, some some um, TV and radio pieces. And um, to be honest, a lot of people say, yes, I can see the new higher prices. I can see um, the bills, uh, the the maintenance bills of the of the flat and so on. But I can cope. It it doesn't make such a good such a massive difference um, that I have to think where I can start saving. So. Uh, maybe uh, skip one uh, one night out per week or something and and you've got it so uh, i don't know if i mean this is anecdotal evidence obviously but uh, uh, and then there are people who are really uh, really genuinely uh, worried and panicking uh, ahead of the winter because i mean so far we've had it still warm and the heating um, heating costs haven't kicked in yet so this is going to change and i i don't know if the if the measures um that that are being agreed by the government now um to hopefully start from october will really relieve the situation enough for the most vulnerable because the 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 problem is that um uh, that um uh, the subsidies are being um, given to everyone, also those who perhaps don't need it, which means that this uh, just makes people actually consume more hmm. in total. When when you talked about daily life, uh, I, I need to I need to sort of um, uh, caveat um, caveat what I'm about to say by saying that uh, in in my eleven years in Estonia, um, I've never been economically uncomfortable. I, I began working for Skype, and I've, I've worked for various other tech companies. But uh, now, now that I'm sort of working partly um, partly with the state. Uh, I, I must say I'm kind of seeing how the other half always lived a lot more and. Uh, yeah, you talk about skipping a night out, but uh, I th- I think I think I'm I'm now part of the majority that you know needs to consider whether a night out is even possible in the first place. Uh, and um, obviously, when when you when you do go out and um, a a beer can be between six and twelve euros, you you kind you kind of question your life choices a little bit, but. Um, also, the you know the the food in the supermarkets, um, an average shopping bill, you know, uh, probably you can't probably you can't get through an average weekly shopping bill living alone for less than forty euros uh, if you uh, if if you don't if you don't want to go to one of the budget retailers and eat from food in cans and uh, it it just generally seems like a more miserable way of living and I I get totally that. Uh, you know, as Kaya Kala said, uh, Estonia can put up with this if it means helping Ukraine. Um, the, the the words she used were quite clumsy, actually, on CNN. She said uh, Estonia can pay for inflation in euros because Ukraine's paying paying for paying for its uh, losses in blood right now, which sounds good until you realise that a lot of Estonia can't pay for it in euros right now. And I feel that sometimes when Kaya Kala says these things, 
Um, she's she's saying she's saying you know things that have obviously been rehearsed and um, signed off by about nine different people, but that they're maybe from the point of view of someone who has never had problem paying for things in in euros and there are lots of people that she's elected by uh who or and who she serves that are having problems uh i by no means am the in the biggest economic trouble of anyone but yeah i think we're all feeling the pinch and i i do i do wonder when i do wonder when people are going to even use more em empathic language towards people who are struggling because i i'm not while the government is doing things, and while it's uh, while it's ramping up, for example, um, its offshore wind production sevenfold in in coalition with Latvia, um, I'm seeing a lot of long term um, signing of agreements and not not very much sort of empathising with the people who are struggling. I I don't know if that's the same message that you're getting. Yes, well. Um... In general, her messaging uh, for home audiences has been uh, not um, terribly uh, successful and not terribly uh, em empathic. It it works well for uh, the foreign audiences, and um, there I think uh, we should give her the um, big credit because she's done a good job um, getting a voice for Estonia and for our worries. Uh, unlike any of her predecessors, in fact, in this office. Uh, but uh, for the home audience, uh, there has been a certain lack of empathy. That's uh, that's for sure. Mm. But uh, it, it it is what it is. Um, I, I I also um, because because I've because I've been reading people uh, complaining on Twitter, which is mostly what they do on Twitter. Um, I, I I do see occasionally things that uh, surprise me for such an innovative country as Estonia. For example, um, there is someone who uh, explained that on her street there are six houses. There are sixteen houses with solar panels installed installed on their roofs. But um, for at least the next hundred and ninety to 340 days they can't be switched on uh, because uh, Ellering which is the uh, which is the electricity grid provider um, will will not install them um, onto the grid for that length of time uh, apparently the the uh, apparently Ellering is understaffed and so uh, can't do it any more quickly but it, it's another example of how the technology is there and it's just not being implemented in the right way and uh, if if maybe if the country had sorted this out when the times were good, and I know it's easy to say that from this point of view, then uh, then we wouldn't feel like we were in this constant state of emergency for the last two years. But um, again, it is what it is, and I know that we can't solve the problem on this podcast. Oh yes, I mean, talking uh, of a street and a deadline uh, of uh, some week, some months in in Hiuma, you're talking uh, about the whole island about the, the whole county that won't have any solar uh, panels switched into the grid for, for the coming four years or so because there's no capacity <laughs> so the sunniest place uh, of the country <laughs> just can't do anything about it and that's um that's uh, very regrettable and i guess uh, at the same time it's human nature not to appreciate that um the times are good now and you need to act now because there's always something um, that we are uh, that we are uh, hoping for.
Definitely. Else. Definitely. Uh, just one more thing on the coalition before we go over to the Nara um, um, uh, news stories. Uh there, there was there was a lot of haggling during the coalition agreement, and indeed, um, it uh, led to uh, Heli Rivaldo Seda, the leader, the uh, nominal leader of Isamar, um, um, almost doing a hissy fit, hissy fit, and leaving the coalition talks. Um, but uh, it, it was the transfer of the remaining Russian language schools to um, majority Estonian language education. Now, this has been something they've been trying to do for, well, as long as I've been in Estonia, and it's it's still not happened. It's difficult to see how it will happen in the next uh, five months before the parliamentary elections, but um, what what extra steps are they taking and how practical are they in such a short coalition? I, I think... Um this is another case where in like in with everything in politics actually money talks so um the they are they are putting together the budget strategy for next year and if the budget strategy is gonna include um uh, substantial sums for uh, teacher education for teacher salaries um, then we can uh, say this is a serious thing. Otherwise, it's just a slogan. Yeah, and um, obviously Estonian language education has been something that has been in every coalition agreement uh, in, in, in order to get one of the two one 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 of the two conservative parties on board, hasn't it? So uh, it's 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 something that uh, uh, obviously people feel passionate about, but. I, I think that from from a foreigner's point of view, the uh, notable thing is how how difficult it's been to actually get to, to actually get the manpower um, into Russian schools in terms of teachers. Now, the country's always had a teacher shortage, and the teacher shortage is getting worse. Um, it it means that being a teacher is a pretty good job to have right now, but if if, if you excuse the salary, but it also means that. Um, they 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 can't practically uh, transfer Russian schools to Estonian language education, and also there is no money in the pot for state for the state to uh, pay teachers more to go to schools that they might not normally apply to. So th- there's a few issues uh, up in the air there, and uh, I I don't think I've met any politician or spoken to any politician who knows the solution to them. There is no quick fix, and at the same time we can say um, we have had. We have had 30 years to deal with this issue, so there's no need for a quick fix. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, um, it's it's uh, really, uh, I mean, the war in Ukraine and the reaction of uh, the Russian-speaking community in Estonia to these events are perhaps the final proof that uh, something needs to be done, but... Uh, uh, but it, it won't happen overnight. So we, we uh, definitely we need to uh, um, get on the way but, uh, and start doing something. But, uh, but to hope that this, all, this will be uh, solved um, within a year is uh, just unrealistic. Definitely. And uh, of course, um, 
the Reform Party uh, have uh, have 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 dropped dropped back in the latest polls. Uh, you you could probably argue that the bounce they received was because of the relative newness at the time of the uh, uh, war in Ukraine and the, and the, the positive way in which uh, Kaya Kalas was seen to have handled that. But uh, the the recent uh, the recent drop back and the recent increase uh, in the polling figures for ECRA would seem to indicate just that people are again getting tired of struggling uh, is is it just purely a dom- is it just purely domestic factors and people people hunkering down for a hard winter that's causing this uh, this negativity now in the polls yeah i guess there's um, there is a lot of uh, fear uh, before the uh, before the winter but um, what actually worries me and i don't know maybe this sounds a bit paranoid but uh, there were pictures this week from Prague of the big demonstration um, against uh, supporting Ukraine and uh, and demanding basically um, energy uh, cooperation with Russia with a lots of a lots of um, Russian flags and um, there is this kind of sentiment starting to gather within the ECRA social media groups. Um, and a lot of it, um, apparently in Prague, was actually triggered by the uh, the agents on um, social media who use who have used micro targeting to uh, build up the anti-vax uh, movement and uh, and this whole sort of anti-COVID um, protest. So they are tapping into the exactly set the same groups of people at just the issue has changed from uh, COVID restrictions and vaccines to Russia and Ukraine and energy prices and um, this is a very uh, worrying thing that uh, in a very bad scenario might happen here as well. Yes, and uh, you, you you mentioned the uh, protests in um, in in Czechia against uh, um, supporting Ukraine. Certainly, I I am expecting, and I know people have written um, written in the Estonian media expecting street protests because of uh, domestic fuel prices this this winter. And um, I I think that uh, you know in a democratic country you've got to expect that, but. Um, certainly the russian gru and have uh, have have never ha- have never stepped away from a crisis and um uh i i have a feeling that while public sentiment will be pretty angry over the winter uh, it it will be amped up by um by uh, pro- propaganda which is either funded or or encouraged by 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 russian sources now that's that's not that's not to say the anger wasn't there in the first place but if if we take issues such as you know brexit uh, immigration uh, covid restrictions all, in in all of these things there there was a there was an alleged dark underbelly of um, people encouraging protesters maybe even funding protesters in some cases and um the covid restrictions rally for example uh, which i i think took place uh, in february uh, if i remember rightly or january sorry um 
was organised by the Family Protection Agency, SAPTK, which is run by Vara Voglade, who is um, is a prominent lawyer in Estonia. And that uh, that restrictions march raised a lot of money. Uh, you know, every time a protest is organised, um, it's it's used as a money spinner for one or other protest group. And yeah, I mean, definitely the funding issue of these kind of organisations is is a topic. But and uh, there's just um, too too much murky waters um, behind it. And here in Estonia, for sure, the whole uh, meddling by Russia uh, plays into that um, formula as well. But let's yeah. um, let's go to Narva. <laughs> Absolutely, let's let's go to Narva, which is exactly where you're going at the weekend. Uh, there's a festival there, Station Narva, which uh, which 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 you're which you're covering with uh, with the international uh, media. But um, maybe let's talk about uh, why Narva has been in the news now. I've spoken to a lot of people who are from Narva and some who live there, and I, I know that you've spoken to even more because you've been there a lot more times than I have, and. Generally, they're Russian speakers, and generally, I'd say the younger ones um, do not support Putin and just want to get on with their lives as part of Estonia. So, given that, uh, it, it it maybe was something of an embarrassment to some of those young people in Narva that uh, that that this was even an issue. But a Soviet tank was removed from the riverside um, on the Estonian side of the Narva River. Um, uh, it's a it's a T thirty four tank, and uh, it's now been moved to the War Museum in in uh, Vimsi in Estonia. But um, the the haggling and negotiation over whether it could be removed uh, was was something that took place with Narva City Council, who uh, whose mayor Katri Reich was against it, and uh, in in the end, the Estonian state ended up taking what amounted to unilateral action to remove it. Um, now, a a lot of the foreign press has covered this from a sort of a both sidesy annoying point of view of well. You can't erase history, can you? But uh, which, which is, which maybe comes from, and I'm, I'm going to, going to go back to the Black Lives Matter protests of uh, 2020. Um, at that time in Bristol, for example, in the UK, um, a statue of a prominent slave owner was removed from the riverside and actually thrown into the river by protesters. Um, you, you could argue they had justification for that, but people use the same arguments for the Narva tank. Maybe it's worth explaining to people why this is different and why why a lot of people would justifiably argue it had no place in, 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 in a free Estonia in the first place. Let's not erase history or is justified to erase history is, of course, uh, such a brilliant example of Westsplaining that we have uh, <laughs> experienced here for the last 30 years, uh, starting from the... Um, adjective uh, the tiny former soviet republic <laughs> ever since um yes the, the the conflict is basically in interpretation of history and for estonians the soviet era is slash soviet occupation for the people for, for the russian people or russian-speaking people who were uh, brought to estonia after the war many, many of them in the 70s and 80s. For them, this concept is new. They uh, they didn't uh, know anything about Estonian 
pre-war history and they considered this was a liberation from fascism uh, so uh, this um, this is the, the the two conflicting viewpoints um, that exist in Estonia today unfortunately and uh, I think uh, in general this uh, issue of the Second World War and occupation or liberation uh, was sort of on a back burner for a while until Putin really started his cult of the World War uh, victory or the uh, Great Patriotic War, as it is called in Russia. And this has really sort of picked up pace over the last decade when Russians in Russia and also um, here started sort of celebrating the 9th of May extensively, much more so than, than it used to be before. Um, dressing children in, and babies in um, Soviet uh, military uniforms, etc. I mean, it, it's really, it, it looks uh, scary and very, very strange. So this is, this is a, a, somehow it's a created mythos. Uh, and... Uh, uh, at the same time, I've been thinking a lot about uh, how, uh, having been to Narva uh, before the tank was removed, like immediately before, uh, while it was removed, after it was removed. And um, the thing is, um, people need some sorts of uh, uh, myths or rituals that they can uh, use for their identity. Now, Estonia has never offered Narva other alternative rituals, apart from uh, perhaps the hissing of the flag on the 24th of February in the castle. But this has only really started some years ago. So that's something where people in Narva annually go to and celebrate because they take pride in the fact that their sunrise is three minutes earlier than in Tallinn. But there are no uh, other Estonian-related rituals. So people have been uh, sort of, uh, they take what they are offered. Um, I don't remember if we talked in a podcast uh, a year ago about the Seto kingdom uh, uh, as, a, as an example of the power of rituals. But anyway, I think now to, uh, to be able to move on from this situation, of the of the very split society and the very split community inside Narva as well, some new rituals need to uh, be created, and it is possible to create rituals because this cult of the victory and cult of these uh, Soviet monuments is also an artificially created ritual. Not, it's not something that is a genuine human. A, a sort of reaction to worship a killing machine to go and take wedding photos with a killing machine it is it is not a, a genuine human need right so we need to create some come up with uh, with new ideas for new rituals and actually station Narva this weekend is one of such things it's something that keeps that uh, just um, it's in its fifth year. So it's also uh, 
sort of a reoccurring celebration and that's that's important to offer to offer something instead i think that's 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 important because the issue in Narva is we estonia is not going to change the minds of these people who are angrily pro putin and angrily insulted about the removal of the tank but these are perhaps 10 20 percent not more but then there is a a big, a large, silent majority of people who still feel a little bit insulted, who feel hurt, and not not because the the tank was removed, but many have said because of the way it was removed. And here's uh, the uh, and this is the fault of Narva City Council, to be honest. I mean, they had the chance to take this into their hands and do it. Uh, and uh, own it, and they didn't. So uh, uh, now the the community needs to come to terms with that. And th- there is a school of thought, isn't there, that uh, the city government would have been quite happy to um, to remove the monuments, but couldn't be uh, because uh, twenty other uh, Soviet era monuments have. Uh, slated to be removed from Narva, um, um, but they couldn't be seen to be doing that politically. So they were, in the end, quite happy for the state to take the matter off their hands. Do you do you follow that logic? I mean, uh, they were uh, they were not prepared to take this political responsibility. I mean, the immediate aftermath of this is the the statement of of Mikhail Stalnukin, the, the very uh, prominent. Uh, Centre Party politician and uh, MP from Narva, who said the whole Estonian government is full of fascists and Nazis, and this was even too much for the Centre Party. But of course, they were uh, actively uh, vowing these exactly this electorate, and it's it's regardless of the passport a person holds. The views are not really necessarily uh, tied to to the passports, because. Obviously, the parliamentary elections are only um, uh, for Estonian citizens to participate in. And Narva still has uh, 30% of um, Russian citizens who live there. Yeah, um, and uh, I'll, I'll just close this topic, because I, which I feel we will return to. Uh, I, I, we, I know we've got plans to do a Narva-centric episode at some point in this series. Um, by by saying that there was a really good opinion piece, uh, and uh, obviously people should try and find out what people in Narva think. You know um, that there's 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 way too way, way too much talent opinion on Narva, um, and I, I I include myself in in that unfortunately. But uh, Ilmar Rag, the film director, wrote a really good I think opinion piece on uh, ERR, the public broadcaster website, um, where where he said that uh, in his in his view the problem is that. Uh, you are asking people, like you said, uh, to um, adopt a new identity in a way, uh, which is contrary to uh, the place that many of many people identify as their motherland would say is their identity. So you're asking people to adopt a new Estonian identity, but the Estonian identity they're being asked to adopt isn't a fit with them yet. Um, so I I think maybe the the process of building a new identity for a community is something that needs to needs to be bottom up rather than top down doesn't it 
absolutely. And uh, really, I mean, uh, having followed the whole uh, uh, war of words uh, between Tallinn and Narva and the mayor got the right wing uh, between the rock and the hard place. I would suggest that the most patriotic thing for all these uh, smart people in Tallinn who uh, say things about Narva would be move there, take a job, interact with the community, do your part. It's very, very comfortable and easy to talk while sitting uh, in, uh, in Tallinn or in your lovely country house. But live there and change something and win the people's hearts. That's, a, that's the most patriotic thing to do today. Absolutely. And uh, uh, best of luck with uh, Station Narva at the weekend as well. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I, I will post the description to, uh, sorry, I'll post the link to that article in the description because uh, it's it's really good. And I'll also post some other opinion articles that have been that have come out since the tank removal as well. Um, Maris, uh, this has been nice. We'll uh, continue this another time. But uh, thank you everyone for listening to Questonia. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio from. And uh, you can also follow us on Twitter on Questonia Pod. Uh, so thank you very much and goodbye. <laughs>